1: That has got to go to work. What The Rock is cooking. Who tang your ass on out of here. No! What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting The Rock, you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years? You like you just stepped out of Oliver Twist? Please, sir. May I have some more advice, sir? You want some advice? Here's The Rock's advice. Shut your mouth. What you want, what you want. How about what The Rock wants? Allow me to reintroduce myself. I am. The jabroni beating, pie eating, trailblazing, eyebrow raising, talking is done. You're out of your class. No sleep till Brooklyn. The Rock whoops your ass. And here's the Whoa! Oh, you Can, believe you believe this. Can you believe this? The Bravo the Why are you so mean? I'm just trying to be strong for my squad, and I'm trying to make it right. You want to make it right? Then when you go to nationals. Bring it. Finally, The Rock has come back. (sighs) Home. What's going on, brothers and sisters? We are live on tape. Coming to you from Theater D, Roe J, Seat 7. I am the Godfather, Nate Milton, and this... Is the Rocky Maya via picture show, the world's favorite pop culture and pro wrestling program, dedicated to the genius of sports entertainer turned thespian, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now playing, 2005's, Be Cool. Have you lost your mind? I mean, how is it that you can disrespect a man's ethnicity when you know we've influenced nearly every facet of white America? From our music, to our style of dress, not to mention your basic imitation of our sense of cool. Walk, talk, dress, mannerisms. We enrich your very existence, all the while contributing to the gross national product through our achievements in corporate America. It's these conceits that comfort me when I'm faced with the ignorant, cowardly, bitter, and bigoted who have no talent, no guts, People like you who desecrate things they don't understand when the truth is you should say, Thank you, man, and go on about your way. But apparently, you're incapable of doing that. So, Taboo! Ah! Uh, My bad, dog. And don't tell me to be cool. I am cool! All right, that was just a little taste, a little teaser, a little appetizer of the film we are going to discuss this week on the program. But I can't do it alone, folks. You know that. And since every Siskel needs an Ebert, every Ebert needs a Roper, and every Blaine needs a Twan, I've got a special guest in the theater this week, and, and I am so glad this gentleman uh, decided to come on the program. He He finally decided to stop hating. He stopped hating and he started participating. From the True <laughs> North Nerds. Welcome, friend of the program. You know him, you love him, all the postmarks out there. You've heard him on this network before. Brent Chittenden, Brother Brent. How are we doing, man?
0: Ah, uh, Thanks for having me, Nate. I'm doing pretty good.
1: Now, Brent, I know, you know, you are an encyclopedia, shall we say, of, of all things nerd, of all things geek, of all things sci-fi and superhero and fantasy and whatnot. And I know 2019 is a busy year for you, brother. You know, we, we got the, the Avengers dropping this year. We got Star Wars dropping this year. We got so many comic book and, and sci-fi and superhero properties dropping this year. But I would argue, sir, that the most ambitious film crossover ever created is Be Cool. Like, I know Avengers had a lot of people in the movie. I know Justice League had a lot of people in the movie. Star Wars had a lot of people in the movie, Brent. But Be Cool. Has Vinny Barbarino, Beatrix Kiddo, one half of Outcast, one fourth of the Kings of Comedy, conservative ass James Woods, liberal ass Danny DeVito, my man from Aerosmith, my girl from Entourage, five-time Teen Choice Award nominee Christina Milian, and of course Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And that just that just scratches the surface, Brent, of the people we're gonna talk about this week. Yeah, and like weirdly as well, like. It's a Pulp Fiction reunion. Some would use the word reunion. Some would use the word knockoff.
0: <laughs> well, well, it depends on which way you want to go with that, too, because uh, I know Tarantino's read a lot of Elmore Leonard
1: books. Before we get started, Brent, I always like to ask my guests here on the Rocky via Picture Show how their relationship with The Rock as an actor first started, because, you know, we're we're both wrestling fans. We know all about... the the greatness of the people's champ in the ring but in terms of the silver screen brent when was the first time you kind of looked at dwayne johnson and was like he's not just somebody playing an actor he's actually somebody that can act
0: uh i want to say the rundown but if Mm. if you think about it kind of like what you and uh And Brian Mann mentioned in your review, he's kind of playing himself a little bit in the rundown. So it may actually be this film, because quite frankly, The Rock is the best part of this movie, (laughs) which like some of the later movies that you will get into that may or may not be the case, because the Lord knows there will be some other bad ones that you have to review but in this case, it's it's definitely true. And he, he does a really good job with what he's given in this film. Unfortunately,
1: he is still still in this and it is not good. Yeah, this movie is one, and I'm, I'm kind of spoiling things a little bit here, but when we get to our score at the end of the movie, this was one of the films I had the most trouble rating because there are pieces and parts of this movie, Brent, that I really enjoy. But as a oh, whole, yeah. I don't know if it all adds up.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, there there are bits and pieces of this movie that are really good, uh, especially when we get to it. There's a part with Cedric the Entertainer that yes. I was surprised that, like, uh, like wait, that guy really? Okay, get, uh, all full disclosure, I'm I've always thought Cedric the Entertainer is okay, but his. Humor has never really gotten me, and and quite frankly, uh, spoiler for those listening at home, I'm a white dude from suburban, suburban Canada, so like it, his, I'm not his audience, and it's not, it's I've never would never go to say he's not funny. It's just he is humor isn't directed to towards me and my experiences, right?
1: So, but so you're saying a- you don't own uh, Black Honeymooners featuring Cedric the Entertainer and Mike Epps on VHS? Oh, Lord, no. No, <laughs> I just <do> not. <laughs> I had completely forgotten that existed until you brought it up. Yeah, that's, that's how hot Cedric the Entertainer was coming off of Kings of Comedy. They rebooted the Honeymooners and cast him and Mike Epps.
0: You know, to be fair, that's not a bad casting choice uh, uh, for that time period and for his the level he was at i would have completely done that flip the script around a little bit because like what else are you gonna do john goodman i suppose but yeah. one goodman probably wouldn't have done it and two it, like yawn like that's <laughs> like like it, it's it's one of those things like kind of like that episode of the simpsons where uh uh, Bart's talking about the uh, the Simpsons movie And Homer's le- and he's like I'll get John Goodman to play you And Homer starts joking And like too obvious
1: Should be Gary Oldman <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: Gary Oldman surprisingly not in this movie No
0: I guess maybe he, he was out of town that day Or missed the memo or something But
1: mm. Well speaking of out of town we're going to step out of time a little bit right now, Brent. Uh, to be more accurate, we're going to go back in time, because it is time for the Time Warp. And for those of you that may be new to the Rocky View Picture Show, the Time Warp is where we take a look back at the week this film premiered, and we check out what was going on in pop culture. So, Brent, this movie, Be Cool, was released in America on March 11th of 2005, do you know, sir, what song topped the Billboard singles chart that week? Ooh, 2011. It's that March 11th, 2005. Or 2005,
0: rather. Oh, uh, no, actually, I have no idea. would I, w- I would have been, been knee-deep in, like, a
1: metal phase at that point, so... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, It was actually Mariah Carey, We Belong Together from The Emancipation of Mimi.
0: tune I, that I hate or dislike. That's all, an all right track.
1: That was her. Uh, that was like her big comeback album after all. You know her kind of issues that that had become public and breaking from Tommy Mottola. That was kind of Mar- uh, Mariah's rebirth, so to speak. Her her retcon, uh, a reboot to use comic book parlance. Yeah. Brent, is that, uh, is that after glitter? It's after glitter, I believe, and it's also okay. after that. Cause that was when she went on TRL and, and had that episode, oh,
0: yeah. Where yeah, so glitter was kind of the start of. I don't know if she's ever admitted to it, but I think we can all see that that was kind of the start of a a breakdown. Was the release of that disaster of a film that just like it went nowhere and it was supposed to be her big thing and didn't. And then there was like the the TRL episode, and there was a couple other things I want to say around that time too, but. Okay, the, okay, that makes sense though. This was like her reclaiming her throne as the the multi-octave queen of pop,
1: I guess. <laughs> I was never like I was never a huge Mariah Carey fan, but she's got mm-hmm. like she's got some songs. Like she's got uh like a greatest hits, maybe two greatest hits albums worth of bangers yeah. that I can just put on and and have as like background music. So like I I don't hate Uh, Mariah Carey, she's just not my favorite choice uh, Or my first choice But uh, I I got no beef with uh, I got no beef with Mimi Yeah, no, it's
0: uh, Yeah, like and I remember that song And I'm like, yeah, that's an okay An okay uh, tune too And I I, I think that was around the time Where she started doing kind of cool videos Too, if I'm not mistaken Yeah, well,
1: it was around the time Where she broke from Tommy Mottola And just went like she got with all like the hot hip hop video directors. Mm, yeah. Uh, and I think even
0: this video, this video has, isn't the video for this, the one where she's supposed to get married to like Eric Roberts. And then she runs away with, uh, I want to say Wentworth Miller from, <laughs> uh, from prison break at the time. Kathy, now. Cold? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a, a little bit against type too to a certain extent. Cause, uh, we know in his personal life, uh, yes. Captain Cold is, is a uh, a gay man. So, uh, but well, not saying they can't play straight, obviously. But it was one. It's one of those things that you look back on that whole video, and there's like all sorts of kind of weird, interesting things going on.
1: Hey, if if The Rock can play a gay man and be cool, Wentworth Miller can play a straight man in the Mariah Carey video. Oh.
0: Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I bet
1: bet Wentworth's uh, portrayal was less uh, problematic, shall we say, than The Rock's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that was where we were on the music charts back in 2005, Brent. Now let's get into the main event here. Let's get into our featured attraction, 2005's Be Cool, which was directed by F. Gary Gray, and that might be a name that Rings a bell with some of the listeners because not only was he the director of Friday featuring Ice Cube, not only was he the director of Set It Off back in the day, but he was also the director of The Italian Job as well as Straight Outta Compton.
0: Yeah, yeah, F. Gary Gary is, he's one of those directors that probably both to his credit and uh, possibly a little bit of his detriment, his... Catalog is just like really all over the place yeah. in terms of films that he's directed, which is good. Like you can't pigeonhole him into oh he only does black comedies or he only does this or or that because like like you said he did Friday, uh, but he also did this movie. He did Law Abiding Citizen. He did yep. Straight Outta Compton. He did one
1: of the Fast and the Furious. Yeah, he movies. did the uh, Fate of the Furious.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's the director of the upcoming Men in Black film that comes out this summer. Yep.
1: And so, honestly like this movie, Brent, spoiler alert, this movie's not great, <laughs> but I do think that this movie was important for uh, F Gary Gray's career.
0: Yeah, no, I would completely agree. This is the one that like he could point out that like I've directed other things. Like yeah. I've directed an ensemble comedy with, with a multiracial cast and and like and even like some of his music video background is in there too, right? So yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh,
1: he was not helped by the script for this film. No, No, speaking of the script, the uh, screenplay was written by uh, Peter Steinfeld, and this was based off of Be Cool by the aforementioned Elmore Leonard. And uh, Elmore Leonard is a prolific writer, Uh, not only wrote Be Cool, but also wrote uh, Get Shorty, wrote Rum Punch, which was later adapted into Jackie Brown. Yep. Uh, by Quentin Tarantino. And as somebody that that is a writer, Brent, I'm wondering, you know, for the listeners out there that might not know, like, how just prolific this dude Elmore Leonard was, like, what he meant to, you know, th- this kind of genre of, you know, the crime drama or the crime uh, genre or, you know, kind of a heist type of movie. Yeah, so Elmore Leonard, I'm
0: actually a big fan of his books. Um, he is one of those quote unquote crime writers whose career actually spans like a lot of different sort of genres and sub subgenres inside of that. Yeah. Like, um, get shorty and, and subsequently be cool are both very comedic books. Get shorty is really funny. Um, and it has like a little bit of a crime narrative within it, but he's also the guy who wrote like, uh, out of sight and, yes. uh, and as you said, rum punch and a couple other things. Uh, he wrote short stories that became other movies, like Three Ten to Yuma, the mm, the western. Yeah. That's an Elmore Leonard short story. Um, one of his short stories is the basis for Justified. I think? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, yeah. I read that. Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. So and he's a he's a really good writer, and with that diversity, like his stuff has been adapted in many different genres. The only uh, other author that i can always compare him to is a guy named donald westlake and mm. donald westlake wrote, wrote similar like wrote a, a number of comedic crime books called the the dortmunder books but on the other side of things under a pseudonym he wrote the the parker novels which uh, uh payback with mel gibson is roughly based off of one of those books and there's a terrible Jason Statham movie that's also based (laughs) off of one of those books but we could do a we could do a completely separate podcast on that
1: we'll we'll save that for uh we'll save that for Statham cinema oh
0: oh somebody you better copyright that because that's a (laughs) great name right off the bat
1: (laughs) but yeah. Um,
0: Elmer Leonard's one of those guys that's always being pulled from for source material Quentin Tarantino is like even the movies that aren't based on his stuff Mm. are like definitely have some of that inspiration to it like you know the some of the quippy fast paced dialogue is is kind of in line with how Leonard wrote
1: Yes I would definitely owe it to yourself particularly if you were one of the listeners that Watch the movies along with the reviews and you sat through Be Cool, I think you owe it to yourself and the legacy of Elmore Leonard to watch, you know, maybe Jackie Brown or or uh, Get Shorty or one of his other uh, adaptations that that turned out a little bit better.
0: Yeah, ja- for the record, Jackie Brown's, like, my, depending on the day, is my favorite or second favorite Tarantino film, mm. so.
1: And it's, it, I think it's a little bit underrated, too. Like, it doesn't get kind of the, the same, uh, Attention is certainly Pulp Fiction, and maybe even something like a Django.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's one of those movies that, um, I think when it came out, people were kind of underwhelmed by it. And now, as the years it have was gone the, uh, on, it, it was the immediate follow-up to Pulp Fiction, wasn't it? Yeah, which, like, good luck on that, buddy. Because yeah. <laughs> that, like, not only was that a, a really good movie, it did financially very well, mm. right? So... You have to like follow that up, and it was a no-win situation. And he did Jackie Brown, which I think, like as time has proven, it's one of the more
1: solid films in his catalog. Yes. Well, you mentioned following up Pulp Fiction, brother Brent. And boy, <laughs> boy did it be cool follow up Pulp Fiction because this movie starred John Travolta, Uma Thurman, Vince Vaughn, Study the Entertainer, Andre Three Thousand. Christina Milian, Harvey Keitel, Danny DeVito, The Rock, and a bunch of other people that I don't have time to read. The budget <laughs> the budget for this film, Brent, was $53 million. Can you guess what the box office was?
0: Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I can because I cheated. I didn't think about that for the podcast. <laughs> I actually have it written down in my notes. So, uh, But I won't try and be a genius and say... <laughs> what it isn't by guessing. No, I looked it up. It's something like 120 mil, or uh, no, sorry, uh, 90 plus million, something <dragonIRE strawberries> 90- 90, like that.
1: Yeah, 95.2 million. Yeah. The millions. Millions of dollars. 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 95.2 million, which is a I think a lot of people look back at this movie because it's not the best film, and they feel like it was a flop. But financially, it did okay. Yeah, um, like it, I, I, do, it, it, it also depends on numbers, how much, but it, did, yeah. it did. it did. It 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 did better than a lot of his previous movies to this.
0: And it depends on how much was spent on like uh, the publicity mm. department too, because that's a I've I've since found out over the last couple years that that's a number that is never put in with the how much money a movie made or cost because um it can vary from time to time and i believe it's also the way that hollywood uh kind of screws over filmmakers (laughs) because no movie in hollywood ever makes money (laughs) <laughs> no, nope, that movie didn't make money Really? But it made this much Yeah, but the, the, the publicity and the print ads and all that That cost a fortune
1: <laughs> uh, You know what's what's interesting about this movie, Brent And it's kind of harkens back to what Brian and I talked about On the first episode of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show This movie is kind of a line of demarcation For Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his movie career Okay because this is going to be the last movie where Dwayne Johnson is strictly billed as just The Rock. Oh,
0: really? Okay. After this
1: would either be Dwayne Johnson or Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but this is the last movie where he's only identified as The Rock.
0: Well, if you're going to burn a ship, you <laughs> might as well burn the one with a lot of holes in it.
1: <laughs> and this is also one of the few movies that we've done so far Actually, it might be the only movie we've done so far that is not a co-production with WWE Films. Yeah, that that seems to be about right. So I, I don't think Vince McMahon uh, was uh, too keen on lending his company's name to this particular <laughs> this particular movie.
0: You know what, though, I wonder if it's they just couldn't for some reason, because like look at it, look at it from strictly on paper. I'm sure Vince saw uh, like because Vince also like we know from people who have worked with him and stuff like that some of his references for pop culture are dated and old but mm-hmm. I'm sure like you know seeing John Travolta on on the casting list and Harvey Keitel like those those names you, would You have, got Benny like, Barberino? You got one of the
1: Sweat Hogs in this picture? <laughs>
0: God damn it, man. The guy from Mean Streets is in this film.
1: (laughs) Somebody get me Gabe Kaplan on line one. (laughs) And now we're just dating ourselves.
0: Uh,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, this this movie, Brent, let's get into it, man. Because this is just, this is a movie that on paper, I think, made a lot of sense. You know, this is a sequel to Get Shorty. Uh, yeah. A movie that wasn't like a super huge hit, but it was—it was, it was finally remembered. You know, it made a little bit of money. It was finally remembered back in 1995. So ten years later, yeah. you know, we still got the rights to this stuff. We got, you know, we 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 got John Travolta signed on. John Travolta brings on—he uh, brings Uma Thurman on board. It, it on paper it sounds like a winning formula. But as somebody who's seen Get Shorty, Brent, just in general, off the top, looking at these two films. Where did Get Shorty Get It Right and Be Cool kind of go in the opposite direction?
0: So uh, with Get Shorty, I think it was they stuck fairly close to the uh, adapted material of a book that was like it's basically a classic in Elmore Leonard's uh, canon. But they it, they went in with kind of lower expectations. Like, you can look at this movie now, like, you can look at Be Cool and say, oh, well, it had Travolta and it had this and this and this. Well, the, the, the fact is, with, like, Get Shorty, it was built around Travolta, yeah, but he hadn't really had that renaissance yet. Like, that was just word on uh, the on uh, Pulp Fiction, was just really starting to get out there when he yeah. would have signed up for this film, right? Yep. And so you're riding that kind of wave uh, as well. And I think it was also, it was kind of just a a smarter movie than this one was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there was some care and time put in to get Shorty. And, you know, uh, Barry Sonfeld was the the director of the first one. Well, oh, that's that's kind of weird because Barry Sonfeld's the guy who directed the Men in Black movies. Yep, and F. Gary Gray is doing the. Wow, well, there's a, there's a it's, uh, it's, a it's all connected. It's story. like the MCU. Yeah, <laughs> I just it just dawned on me now. Um, I think the I, and I think with that expectations were lower for Get Shorty.
1: Mm, yeah. Then you
0: fast forward to Be Cool, and Get Shorty is a a good, funny film that's pretty tight. And, and it just like I, I don't know how to describe it other than the the pacing to it just kind of snaps like when it when it goes to these sort of intricate double crossing plot twists and stuff like that, it's just like like click 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 on get shorty whereas be cool it's like click and then you forget about that Eat. and for later and it's not like one of those things like oh my god, I forgot all about that plot point. it's more like,
1: Oh, uh, yeah. That thing. <laughs> you know, kind of like a quick brief synopsis on this movie, because we're not going to go plot point by plot point, but I yeah. do want the folks at home who have not watched this film to kind of know what we're talking about. So, Be Cool is a sequel to Get Shorty, and in Get Shorty you had a uh, Chili Palmer, who was kind of like this mob dude that ended up in the movie business. Yeah. And now... Fast forward 10 years, and Chili Palmer wants to go from the movie business to the music business, but we get wrapped up with uh, a singer that he tries to get out from one of his rivals. We got the Russian mob involved. We've got Cedric the Entertainer and, and his crew of gangster rappers involved, and we've also got, you know, like a subplot, you know, we've got Harvey Keitel's our big heel, but Underneath him, we've got like the Russians and Vince Vaughn as well as mid-card heels. And so it's got some of the same beats, I think, Brent, as Oh, Get there there are scenes stolen like wholesale
0: from Get Shorty in this film. Just with different the, characters what, in it.
1: But I think the part the problem with this movie, not only is that it, it's kind of a watered-down version of Get Shorty. But as we alluded to, it's like a pulp-free uh, version of Pulp Fiction. It's like Pulp Fiction without the substance. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I would kind of concur with that. There's – there uh, before we started recording, we, we briefly mentioned it. There's a lot of scenes in this film. Yes. There's not a lot of film in this film <laughs> in some ways. Like there – there are some interconnecting things, but in, like, there's other things that like it could almost almost be like a crappy. If you put different actors in each part, it could be mm. like a crappy version of Robert Altman's shortcuts, like like Ooh, or yeah. scenes from L.A. and stuff like that, right? Like, like the as much as I I really enjoyed uh, Cedric the Entertainer's character and uh, Debo played by Andre Three Thousand. Oh,
1: oh, yeah. Okay, let yeah, let's get into okay
0: I, I think that might, I I kinda, that might be the
1: easier way to that might be the easier way to break down this film Brent is by characters yeah,
0: okay yeah, that's a way to do it
1: so let's 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 save Cedric because i I've got a lot to say about Cedric the entertainer in this movie okay <laughs> let's uh let's start with your man chili Palmer here played by John Travolta uh he is our title character he is the protagonist of this film Brent uh and as a like I think John Travolta is not the worst thing about this movie? No. Um,
0: I think the one thing you can say for this is he he's definitely playing the exact same character yes. in a situation that I could definitely see that character getting into. Unfortunately, the world around that character has been written poorly.
1: Yes, yes. So I, I would doing- say, out of anybody, to me, Travolta feels... You know, I'm not going to say his performance was better than The Rock, but I think in terms of who feels like a part of this world, disconnected as it may be, and it's Chili Palmer.
0: Yeah. And his performance is like, it's one of those things that I think he really did th- that character very well. Like, it, it, the, you could say some of it might be a little monotone, but that's how the, the character works, right? Is like, it's... It's these cool, calm, and collected. That's why his name is Chili. is a, It's a nickname because it, nothing phases him. Like you stick a gun in his face, he doesn't get uber angry or yell or anything. He just either tries to calm the situation down and talk it out of it, or, as we saw in one scene, punches a guy in the throat yep. and then, like you know, calmly helps that guy back up. <laughs> And i I think he he was very good at that. I think the the shame about be cool in some ways is it kind of stifled any more movies with Chili Palmer in it mm, like as a yeah. character
1: good, and good
0: point. that that's
1: sort of unfortunate for Travolta in his career, I guess. yeah, because Chili Palmer like there are again, this movie is a more so a collection of moments than an actual through plotline thorough plotline. Yeah. And so the moments where we get Chili Palmer playing off of Uma Thurman's character, uh, Edie, like that kind of works. The moments where we get Chili Palmer playing off of uh, Andre 3000's character, Dabu, like those are funny moments. Yeah. Uh, The moments with, I think maybe my favorite team up in the entire movie are when we see Chili Palmer and Dwayne Johnson's character, Elliot, Mm -hmm. on screen together. Because there's this really nice contrast between Dwayne Johnson playing this super hyper Eager, eager beaver type of character that really wants to become an actor, and Chili Palmer kind of telling this guy to pump the brakes and be cool. Like it, it just works. Yeah. And
0: I, I think that's one of the things you can say about this movie is the, the chemistry is obviously there with some of the other actors. Uh, I guess, like, you know, we already knew he had chemistry with Uma Thurman, but it yeah. just sort of reproves that, that point in this film. Like, I think they play really well off one another. It, it, again, it's just the shame it's in this movie
1: <laughs> Right, and, and speaking of Uma, like I love Uma Thurman, like Uma Thurman is somewhat, I, and I hate to say this word because I think this word gets overused a lot but I think she's somewhat o- underrated like she was so great for a certain period of time and now she's not getting, maybe she doesn't want the jobs Maybe, maybe she doesn't want to be a movie star anymore but she was so great for about a good decade
0: yeah and she she was one who would take different kinds of roles too. Mm. Um, i I absolutely love her in both Kill Bill, Volume One and Two. Yes. Uh, but beyond that, like i I think she's good in this film. I think she uh, she has some pretty good comedic chops that we've seen in other films. Um, it's weird the the example that pops into my head is still a bad movie though. I, I liked her in, I think it was called My Super Ex-Girlfriend. Yes, I was just thinking of that. <laughs> it's not, okay for listeners at home, if you haven't heard of this movie, don't go run out and look for it on a streaming service. It's not particularly great, no. but she's good in it. And yeah. I, I think part of it is, you know, unfortunately Hollywood is one of those places, and I don't agree with this at all, that uh, women, when you hit a certain age, certain directors and producers just Mm -hmm. don't consider you for parts anymore. And that, that's sad when it comes to uh, women like Uma Thurman, who um, had a unique look to her to begin with. Yeah. And, and she's also like, she's not a cookie cutter Hollywood blonde actress. She like, she was a good actress. She had a unique look and like, like in my eyes, very attractive, especially during that period.
1: Yeah, and like she was not, think, uh, she's not like the stereotypical classic kind of Hollywood beauty, but she was, yeah. a, she was attractive. She had a presence on the screen, and yeah, to me, I, like I wish she was in more stuff.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think unfortunately it was a combination of kind of the the ageism that it affects Hollywood, especially female actors. And I know I want to say she took a year or two, maybe more, off to uh, help raise uh, her kids. Mm. So, you know, and unfortunately, that can sometimes, you know, affect your earning years, but it's it would be nice to see her in more things. I, I keep kind of hoping for that follow-up to Kill Bill yes. that Quentin Tarantino always kind of rambles about, along with 18 other sequels to movies <laughs> he'll never make. <laughs> but I I would like to see her do something like that. And, and getting back to this film, it's it's obvious that you know, she and uh, Travolta work well together.
1: Yeah, they they do have a, a lot of chemistry. Well, we'll talk more about Uma Thurman on my uh, follow up series, uh, Thurman Theater, uh, coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me thinks you're just sitting, like as you're coming up
0: with these, you have like domain name already loaded <laughs> on your laptop, and you're like buy that
1: one, buy that one. <laughs> I'm just cornering the market. Dude. I'm just yeah, creating 15 podcasts out of this. Rocky might be a picture show that's that's the that's end game right there Brent mm. uh, but yeah Uma Thurman is is uh, the the widow she does a good job in this movie uh, the only thing that, that I feel is kind of funny and it speaks to the specificness of this time period but also kind of the randomness of this film she's like a huge Aerosmith fan which you know woman of that age that makes sense Yeah, But Aerosmith is like the biggest band in the world in this movie in 2005 Yeah, and and not, okay, so here's one of those
0: things that just I did not (laughs) understand with the writing I, I get that at some point, somebody either, I'm curious what came first Either the cameo deal with Aerosmith came first or did Christina Milan get her part first? Because mm. like like, or was that always intended to be like an R and B songstress? Or is that something that somebody decided they had to modernize that part, like within the music industry as that script went along? Because to me, it makes no sense in no way. Like I have this really good R and B songstress. You know how I'm gonna launch her career? I'm gonna get her on stage with. Like one of the <laughs> biggest rock acts of the '70s. That, that, like, and that's not me throwing shade on Aerosmith. They're a great band. That, I mean, you,
1: that's everybody knows Brent. That's how Beyonce got started. You know, oh, really. Somebody, yes. somebody saw her, and she was performing at a Guns and Roses show, and they were like, oh, "We can have." A
0: stick. I forgot about that Axo Rose Beyonce duet on "Sweet Child of Mine." You
1: know, it was amazing. Hey, to be fair, though, and let's let's speak about Christina Milian here, because I think when she does what she does best, which is perform, she's Mm -hmm. perfectly fine. As Linda Moon in this movie, like the duet with Steven uh, Tyler singing crying. Like, that's a good scene. Uh, Yeah. the, The scene at the end of the movie where she has like her triumphant performance at the movie or music awards, whatever it is. I like that's, think it's that's, supposed
0: to be the MTV Music Video Awards. That makes sense. There was something about how they were saying it just didn't sound quite right. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, that, like your dad trying to explain it to you. Yes, you know what I mean,
1: Linda, I'm gonna book you for the MTV Video Televised Motion Picture Awards, huh? Mm. Like, say what? But that like that scene at the end with her performing was good, but I don't really buy her as this once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation, you know, Chili Palmer compares her to Whitney Houston. Like, I don't see that. I don't see Whitney. I don't see Beyonce. I don't see even, like, a Mariah Carey in her acting. You know what I mean? Like, when yeah. she's just being the Moon, I don't see it.
0: Well, did she... I, I'm not entirely familiar with her. Did she do any films after this? Like, or I know she still has... A, a singing career of some sort Yeah but she still sings
1: kid. and uh, I think she's in a, a bunch of TV shows now but She oh, okay. was in uh, The great uh, Romantic comedy Love Don't Cost a Thing with Nick Cannon
0: Oh, oh Okay <laughs> yeah and, Like i It's one of those movies that like I know I've seen I can only just see the poster though I couldn't tell you anything else about it But I can see the poster And it's like the the two of them on a white background, I think, like yep. looking at one another, and like the the tagline for the film is in between, like you know something like along the lines of like he likes basketball, she likes to sing, and somewhere
1: in between they'll find love. <laughs> hey, I think you summed up the entire plot of love. Don't call that, you know he likes basketball, she's a singer. There's a beach scene, they break up, they make up, and credits. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but what would you think of her performance in this movie
0: uh she, she was okay. she basically playing herself uh it was just like and it's one of those things like again, I don't think her character is bad fit for this movie. Mm if you don't do other things like that's why i'm curious what came first here like was it always an r and it sort of plot line to this and yeah. if that's the case why the hell is aerosmith in this movie you know like like i uh, who would be the the like who would you have replaced aerosmith with who would be a better fit for that role like who would have been the mm. the biggest like like uh, like to my uh, The top of my head it would have been like Mariah Carey but that doesn't fit for like A female on female and we 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 Know Mariah Carey wouldn't Yeah that you think
1: out. in 05 like who'd be like The big R&B male Singer you yeah uh, You got one positive and one negative The positive Uh-oh, guy would probably gets, be Usher. Does the first letter start with R <laughs> Negative guy I almost Like you know what she'd be good in the movie With no wait he's cancelled
0: <laughs> but like um, So there's some weird stuff with her too So like when they go to uh, I guess it's like a boys and girls club Or something like that So she can play the piano for Uma Thurman And like sing her own song for the first time And we just get Like them watching That That group of teens uh, What's it called? Crunking I believe That's there for no reason like and, it, like none of them are friends. Like she doesn't say like, "Hey, what's up to any of them?" Like they, no, like, like they, they watch are, the dance. They, then they are, go, to the they
1: dance their hind parts off, Brent. And she's just like, "Hey guys, can I have the room for a second? And they're like, "Sure thing, Linda."
0: <laughs> but uh, and they play it, the whole okay. song,
1: Brent. Like they play the entire song. I didn't need the whole yeah. song.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things that like, and especially like in that dance scene too. Like, yeah. th- that, sh- that went on way too long for what it was there for. Like, other than it w- it seemed to me like that was a, like, a kind of a a pandering to the audience, uh, like, to make sure is like, this movie is for black people and white people. See,
1: we that's, have ethnic that's teams. That's Who is this movie for, Brent?
0: <laughs> I, you know what? I couldn't tell you. I, I think the idea was to make sure – they cross the board on everything yeah it, it's like cuz you you would have had the the same film audience for get shorty which they would have been especially at the time it would have been aimed at like primarily like you know early 20 folks uh probably white would be the the predominant thing they would be pointing at and then you bring in Cedric the Entertainer yep. and Andre 3000. Like, well, that will cover the black audience bases right there. And we'll hire The Rock to get wrestling fans, too.
1: It's really like a smorgasbord of ideas. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's
0: not, it's, I, like, it, we, we keep reiterating this. It's it's like this this is not like a full if you thought of this as a cake it came out half done Mm. it's still gooey in the middle and it while not particularly bad it's not something you want to eat more
1: than a slice of yeah uh let's talk about the wmds the weapons of mass destruction because this this group every time they're on screen i laugh and it's it's the rap group, uh, they're led by their producer Sin Lasalle, yep. played by Cedric the Entertainer, and their lead singer, question mark, Dabu, played by the aforementioned Andre Benjamin, aka Andre 3000 from Outkast,
0: who is great. His comedic yes. timing in this film is perfect. <laughs> like, I, I uh, like. Uh, it's weird because we go back and forth. Like this movie's not very good, but there's a lot of good performances. In yes, it. Yeah. And I, I, I left like, I stopped when I stopped watching the movie. Um, when I prepared for this podcast, I was, I was like, why hasn't he done more comedies? Cause mm. he definitely has the chops for it. Like, I, I know he's done a couple serious roles here and there. And, uh, the last thing I can think of him in, I'm sure he's done something else, but he did a Jimi Hendrix biopic that yeah. was doomed from the start. Um, but it's it like, this is a guy that like, why isn't he in like a Men in Black movie? You know, some, like a little bit of an action movie, but like heavy on the comedy, like something that style. He, like, he would have been good as, um, in Ludacris' part, in the, the Fast and the Furious yeah. franchise, if Ludacris hadn't taken it. Like, I think, something like that, he
1: would be perfect for. I think one of the issues, and I'm, I'm a huge OutKast fan. To me, OutKast is on the Mount Rushmore of hip-hop groups.
0: Oh, oh. God, I can understand that. Like, I'm not a big hip-hop guy, and the, the talent that just comes from both those guys is
1: yeah. just phenomenal. But I think the issue is if and, – and here's the thing. Like, if Andre 3000 was a different guy and maybe the guy that would do those other roles and, and be – show more of his fun side, he wouldn't be the guy that made all those records with Big Boy.
0: Okay. I yeah, think you I needed that, that, like yeah.
1: – you needed the contrast between the two of them. Yeah. And there's because all, Big I, Boy – like like you've seen, Big Boy is somebody – who is down to do movies and down to kind of do crazy stuff. Whereas Andre, like, he wouldn't even let Outkast play at the Super Bowl one year. Like, they, the NFL wanted Outkast to play halftime at the Super Bowl, and he didn't want to do it. I think this was right after uh, Speaker Box Love Below. So you're talking 0304, maybe around the time ah, this was oh. 05. And Jeez. Andre 3000 didn't want to do it because he felt it would compromise him as an artist.
0: Huh. That's a, that's, a, that's interesting. Like I, I can kind of see that because I always I always think of him along with Prince, like similar. <laughs> but yeah, it, it would just like and I know the other thing is there. Um, I hate to put it this way, but you you would also run the risk of kind of Ice Cube syndrome, where <laughs> Ice Cube has has sort of locked himself into all of these. Uh, Comedies or slight action comedy films, right? And there doesn't seem to be much movement of him being able to get out of that. So maybe that's the other part of it too. Is if I do these dramas and maybe this one comedy, I don't get locked into it. But I I really think he's one of those guys who should have
1: explored it more. And he's still good. He's still around, right? Yeah, he's a he's a really creative dude. Like he even had a cartoon on Cartoon Network for like a minute. Uh, oh. Class of three thousand. Good morning, little people. Good morning, sonny All right, Madison. Good. Eddie. Oh, Tamika. What up? Kim, Cam. Right here. Right here. Philly, Phil. Yeah. Le D, Le D. Yeah. where he played a music teacher and he, and he he made original songs for each episode which were great. Like the, the animation and the stories weren't that great, but the the music for the show and just kind of his creativity was like, yeah, this guy could be doing a lot more. I think he's one of those people that those artists that kind of get in their own head though.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: But yeah, yeah, he was he was really good in this movie. Like and and you mentioned for being his first kind of major film role. I really enjoyed him in this, you know, from the little things where, you know, Travolta would roll up on him and he'd be like, Dabu. And he just look back, "Player," And that, that's all he said to Chili Palmer the, the whole time. Uh, I, I really like the scene where he, his gun accidentally. Yes. Comes yes. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Cause there's like, a running up. Uh, there's a running kind of gag throughout the picture where he always wants to shoot people. Like he's trigger happy. And so there's a scene where, the uh, WMDs are at Edie's house listening to a record. They listen to uh, Linda Moon's record, and Sin is thinking about you know how he can remix it and make it a big hit. And Dabu is, uh, what is he? He's sipping tea. Yeah. And he's got he's got his teacup resting on his on his gun. And Cedric the is like Dabu, that's not gangster. And then later on in the scene, his gun goes off, and he's like, "Hey, you shouldn't even give me no gun, man. You know what I'm gonna do with it."
0: But it's how he delivers that line is just awesome, like it, like it just comes off so natural for his character and yes. just so ridiculous at the same time. Yeah, like but, he's
1: he's comic relief, but I don't feel like he lets himself get turned into a cartoon.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And I, so here's an, a question for you: the rest of the group, are they anybody? Because like to me, they look like um, <laughs> like they were all picked off of muscle beach somewhere <laughs> like they are all like hulking like pieces of humanity that that are just like like three or four of them are just absolutely huge that you like did they they sign up with the idea that they were going to get a WWE tryout after this film like oh if i do a movie with the rock maybe it'll notice me i think
1: there's like cuz they do look like uh the old no Limit soldiers from WCW <laughs> yeah uh, but I think there's, like, a couple ex-football players in the group. Oh, okay. Uh, and I'm not sure about the rest of the guys, but I think, like, the the, the main big guy you see, I believe he used to be a football player. Uh, but, yeah, there was some there was some swole dudes in the group. But, Cedric the Entertainer, and Sin LaSalle, who is, he's shook Knight. If Suge Knight grew up, in a gated neighborhood
0: yeah it's a kind of an interesting idea like like i said his stand-up isn't really geared towards me but there were some parts in this movie with him that i really enjoyed i for whatever reason when, uh, when they first kidnapped the um the station manager yes And he's slapping the station manager with the spatula. (laughs) How he does that is just funny to me. And I also really liked uh, he does a speech about uh, uh, music appropriation uh, in the film that is not only fucking dead on, but is also really good. Like Both in how it was written and how it was delivered. It seemed like it was for a different movie.
1: (laughs) Well, um, fun bit of trivia like that wasn't in the original script Oh, the really? monologue okay. that uh Cedric came up with that was something that he and F. Gary Gray came up with while they were filming oh okay
0: and it uh, makes perfect sense for this film in some ways it just seemed like too good and too serious at the same time to be in there
1: well it feels like I don't want to say F. Gary Gray didn't have control of the movie because he was the director, but it feels like there's a lot of things that were outside of his control in terms of what might have been mandated by the studio with this movie. Okay. But that scene feels very much like this was Gary and Cedric getting to say what they wanted to say.
0: Yeah, and and it's quite frankly, it's good and it's well delivered and it's dead on. If uh, I'm a big music fan, as uh, people who follow me on Twitter, I I do occasionally write for music websites and stuff like that. And it's as we become a more enlightened society, you can pick apart that sort of stuff, too. Like like Led Zeppelin being one of the Mm. prime offenders of all this. But it's interesting that there's that. But at the same time, it doesn't really come up in the music portion. But I noticed it on the drum stuff. So Aerosmith, at the time that this was filmed, was touring on their album Honkin' On Bobo, Mm -hmm. which was basically all rhythm and blues and blues covers. So, like, a little (laughs) bit of it. And I'm not saying, I'm pretty sure that Steven Tyler has given credit to that stuff. Obviously, but it's sort of an interesting message when you have that speech and then you switch to like that album at the same time.
1: Maybe, maybe, maybe that was Cedric and Gary off offset. Like, he's doing what? They put out a an album of what? We gotta, we gotta say something about this, Gary. <laughs> uh, but I, I love, I love the speech though, Brent, because it feels like something this character would say. Like, it does kind of come out of the blue, but oh, definitely, it fits with this character Sin Lasalle, who is on the outside, like if you just look at kind of the, the veneer of Sin LaSalle, he's very much the Suge Knight analog. He's this gangster that became a record producer. But underneath that, he's very educated. He's cultured, he has a code, he has principles. And so, when we get to that scene where the Russian mobster calls him the N-word and he just kind of takes a breath and he's like, racial epithets, must it always come to this? (laughs) <laughs> and then launches into that speech, just like wow, because you know, because he's like, you know, your very idea of what cool is comes from my people. So instead of insulting me, you should just say thank you, man, and be about your business. Like, I, I, it's it's one of the best scenes in the movie, and it's probably some of the best acting such the entertainers ever done, quite frankly. Yeah,
0: and that should be the YouTube clip for this film. Like, like you know how like Rocky Balboa. If you look it up on YouTube, you will get, like, 5,000 hits on the speech that he gives his son about, like, yep. the, the, the world isn't all sunshine and rainbows. That should be this clip from this film.
1: <laughs> well, it, it won't be because we have to save uh, some room for our next character. Speaking of appropriation, your man Vince Vaughn. Oh, God. As <laughs> as uh, Roger, what's his name? Roger Lowenstein, a.k.a. Raji.
0: I don't know what convinced Vince Vaughn that this was a good idea. Um, I I couldn't... So, as I've stated, I'm not a person of color. I, I'm not from that world at all. And I could not determine whether this character was just... If it was just dumb, or if it was racist, or if it was both. <laughs> like, there are parts of this character that, like, I, I get the ideas like oh, it's funny because he's trying to be what he thinks a black guy is. But at the same time, it was like, well, you know, are they crossing the line to offensive here, or is it just
1: really stupid? (laughs) I think it's something of its time, which you could say about a lot of this movie.
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess so, Like, you
1: could not get away really with a character like Raji in a movie today and have it work in a comedy? No, Um, not unless
0: something very bad happens to that character yeah like he gets hauled on the carpet for it and then is like beaten to a pulp or eaten by something you know (laughs) like the the worst that really happens to him is a spoiler alert at the end of the film he gets lit on fire but it doesn't look like he's dead you know what i mean it just looks like he gets a little bit of injury and has to dance around like a moron and is caught on video doing so
1: what, what what I will say with with Raji Brent is it's a very dumb character, uh, but I think in the hands of a lesser actor, it would it might it might come off as offensive. But I think because Vince Vaughn is so into the role, it it works in spite of itself almost.
0: Okay, fair enough. It, it's it's one of those things that like with Vince Vaughn, I'm very hit and miss. I either really like his performance. Yeah. Or I just think it's, like, the worst thing
1: ever. Like, I think the, uh, the scene, you talk about the scene that people pull up when they type it in on YouTube. The scene that'll probably come up, and it's the scene that was used in <laughs> a million trailers for this movie back in 2005, is the Twinkle Twinkle scene with him and The Rock. Where yeah. he calls The Rock a, a derogatory term for a gay person, and The Rock is chasing him around the car, and he's like... Hey, come, come on, baby. Who who put you in a video? Nobody on this beach got a video. Twinkle, twinkle, baby. Like, it's it's dumb, and you, you should dislike this character of Raji, but I think Vince Vaughn adds enough comedic weight to it that it works even though, like, it's not a great character, and it wouldn't work today.
0: Yeah, it's... It's definitely wouldn't work today.
1: like we I, like, I, like, I don't like the character Brent, but when he starts doing the Roger Rabbit in the middle of the street,
0: okay, yeah, I mean, like,
1: like you know what you got me, Vince <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can kind of see some of that stuff, and it's just it's one of those things that like i I think on a whole he is just it's it just that character just didn't quite work in this film. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what you You were thinking
1: about uh, the because, you know, you talked about where was his comeuppance? I think if he had been the one to because this whole time he's been appropriating what he thinks black culture is. Yeah. If he had been the one to cross that line, being angry at Cedric and called Cedric the N word. Okay. And Cedric gives him the speech. I think then his character works a bit more because we see him getting called out for his behavior.
0: Yeah, okay. I I can I can kind of see that, and but like, so um, he beats uh, the the hitman to death with yes. a baseball bat.
1: Uh, Joe but, Luke was
0: also in uh, Get Shorty. Yes, so he beats him to death, and then uh, it goes to uh, Harvey Keitel is the one who actually gets arrested for it. That's right.
1: Harvey Keitel's in this movie too.
0: Yeah, Harvey Keitel's in this movie too. <laughs> And it's, it's like, the it's one of those things that, like, it's, he doesn't really get his just desserts in this film. But I, I, the one thing I did like with the character is is going back to the, the scene with, uh, with the hitman who's played by, uh, what's his name? Oh, know, uh, this.
1: Robert Pastorelli. Who yeah, because this, this was, was apparently his, last, his movie.
0: last film, right? Yeah,
1: this was his last and, movie. And he, uh, I want to say he overdosed right after it was completed.
0: Yeah, um, it, a lot of people our age dating us again would remember him from Murphy Brown. He was yeah, he was what, the uh, like the,
1: the plumber stuff. or the handyman.
0: I uh, I think he became everything. Originally, he was there to paint the house, and <laughs> then he just never left.
1: He was but, like uh, your boy uh, Steiner on One Day at a Time. Like like, what does he do? <laughs> what is he still doing here?
0: So the scene between him and Vince Vaughn. after he accidentally killed the wrong person, I did find that scene actually really good and really funny. (laughs) It's just the, like, the what we do now is you owe me another $5,000. Yep. (laughs) And he's just sitting there
1: chomping 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 away on the uh, he's chomping away on the egg salad.
0: Yeah. And and it's like the egg salad like came in like a huge bowl
1: for it too. It's like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that that was Vince Vaughn. And finally, the last character that we will focus on, who is the titular uh, person of this podcast, The Rock. Rocky by Via Dwayne Johnson as Elliot Wilhelm, who is Raji's gay bodyguard. Um, So... Let's start with the positives, because there are some negatives, I think, with this character. But uh, what were some of the positives about this character and The Rock's portrayal of uh, Elliot in this movie, Brent? I think... uh, So I'm going to get into both positive and
0: negative at the same time here uh, a little bit. I think for the time period this was a very good portrayal of a gay character in mm. it. He's not, in many ways, uh, the character is not stereotypical to, especially to other movies that were coming out at the time. And he's also out. He's not hiding it. Yeah. He's very proud that he is gay as evidenced by, like, there's a story told in it where he threw a guy off like the seventh floor of a building or something for calling him a derogatory term. Now, and I think uh, to the Rock's credit, I think he really embraced doing this role and doing it well. Like, I, it, it's there, don't get me wrong, there is definitely things wrong with it that would not happen in a film today <laughs> because of how it's written and certain jokes that are in it. Yeah. But I think for the time period, I think he did a really good job. And I think. This was the first time that we really see the rock going into an attempt at acting mode. I've often said that he is probably the best part of this film in mm. part due to the the acting that he does in this. Now, like I said, there's some problematic things in here. Don't go in looking for like a glad award. But at the same time I I think he I think he tried his best with what he had And I think he pulled off more than What you would think he would be able to Given the rundown And the Scorpion King
1: Yeah I like this character A lot and I think You know I like it on, on two levels Number one it's obviously A thinly veiled Representation of the Rock's own journey In Hollywood where he starts off as kind of this muscle-bound, handsome dude that you know does the eyebrow trick, but people don't take him seriously as an actor. And that's all he wants is a shot to be taken seriously as an actor. And so it feels like this movie, while we're watching Elliot's story as he's trying to get into Hollywood, it's also The Rock's first attempt at breaking the, the mold of just being an action guy. And I like what he's doing in this film. And then the other thing I really like about the character is, you're right, there's a lot of things about Elliot that would not fly in today's climate. But while he is the butt of jokes at times, particularly from Raji, I don't think the character is ever presented as a joke.
0: Yes, I I think that is a very fair assumption, like a fair statement on this character and this movie. I, I think for the time period, this was this was a really good attempt at doing a positive gay character in a film, or at least, like, a gay character that could, like, you know, be beyond the stereotype. He's not uh, flirting around with his hands and stuff like that. There are a couple jokes that kind of lead towards that, but he's definitely, like, you know that he can beat the crap out of you, too, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah, it's... And, and beyond that like I, I think it's I think it's a good attempt For the time period Just wouldn't fly today And no. and honestly if you remade this film today And did that part again I think The, the Rock would still do a good job With better material
1: And then, like, there are some good jokes in here Like I think When we get The Rock And there's a bonus if you watch on the DVD We get a little glimpse of his music video In the movie but <laughs> on the DVD, you get the entire video, and it's the Rock. Oh, really? Yeah, it's <sighs> the Rock doing a Loretta Lynn's "You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man," and he's dressed up like a full-on cowboy, and he's got uh, what was it uh, Carol Dubach and uh, Mene Noji, uh, who were the girls in Linda Moon's original group before Chili Palmer took her out of the group, like okay. these terrible singers and dancers that uh, Harvey Keitel's character, uh had put together with Linda moon to make his own girl group. So the rock is doing you ain't woman enough to take my man with these terrible dancers in behind him. And it's just, you can tell he's having a good time with this character.
0: Yeah. And and I think he thought this was, this was going to be the, the start of him doing acting roles as opposed to action stuff. Because, and, and to be honest, I can see why he does
1: a good job. And another one of my favorite moments in the movie and If you're listening, if you're a a fan of the show and you know the the wonderful theme song uh, produced by Braden Harrington, uh, you know I've got clips of various Dwayne Johnson performances interspersed throughout. And one of them is a little snippet of the Bring It On monologue, quote unquote, (laughs) that The Rock does as his audition for Chili Palmer. And it's like, not only is he doing a, a full scene like it's not a monologue but the way he gets into the characters like this is not somebody who is phoning it in and that's something yeah. i think you can say about a lot of the a lot of the characters in this movie a lot of the actors in this movie brent the movie might not be good around them but i think for the most part people are trying
0: yeah and and it's one of those things that you never know until it's on the screen and you're watching it how a movie is going to turn out. There's so many movie parts and, you know, the director has a say, as producers have, have their says, stuff like that, that like it, it, what seems to be good at the time can turn into a mess very quickly. It's, a, it's one of those things that I've always heard about films is even when you're filming something good, it, it can turn out terrible but if you know you're filming something terrible, it will always be terrible. <laughs> like, there's very rarely saving that. So it's, like, I think I think everybody signed up with this, with the idea that they were making a good movie. And probably during it, thought it was going to turn out okay. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work.
1: I, I blame the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, yeah, they're in this movie. They're one of the <laughs> millions of cameos in yes, this. Yes, because obviously you got John Travolta and Uma Thurman in the movie. We've got to do a dance number, and so we've got them at this random nightclub dancing to the Black Eyed Peas.
0: Yeah, so uh, oh, the Wikipedia page even has a section for all the cameos that are in this film, <laughs> which include uh, Aerosmith, Wycliffe John, Sergio uh, Mendez, who was playing with uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Yep. Uh, G- Gene Simmons, Fred Durst, Anna Nicole Smith, and uh Della Reese are all shown at various points in this film. I yeah, assume... I think
1: uh, Anna Nicole Smith and Della Reese were at the Lakers game because we had to go to the Lakers game for some reason.
0: Yeah, so I, I believe, isn't it Anna Nicole Smith with Danny DeVito at play? Yes, Yes, on, on the kiss cam. And and the I assume Fred Durst and Gene Simmons are probably part of the MTV Movie Awards shoot.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the the way the movie ends, folks, because I know you're on the edge of your seat trying to figure out how this masterpiece <laughs> concludes. So the entire time, Raji has been withholding information from Elliot. Elliot, you know, is trying to become an actor uh Chili Palmer keeps saying he's going to get him an audition but Elliot is is impatient and so there's there's that one beef and then we've got another beef between Chili Palmer and Harvey Keitel over the contract of Linda Moon we got a beef between Sinless LaSalle and Harvey Keitel over some royalties I think maybe uh we got the Russians involved and it all ends up with uh Chili Palmer giving everybody a little bit of justice. You know, we, we get uh, Harvey Keitel gets arrested. The Russians get arrested by uh, Officer Debbie Mazar. Uh, <laughs> she's in this movie, too. Uh, your boy, Sin LaSalle, gets to produce a record for Linda Moon, which becomes an overnight hit, literally. Uh, like, they produced the hit on Monday and Friday night, she's at the MTV Video Music Production Awards. Uh And then Raji is found out because in a a move that seriously cements this movie in a time period, Brent, Elliot (laughs) does not know how to operate his sidekick. So Chili Palmer goes to Elliot's sidekick and plays the messages that Raji is hidden from him. (laughs)
0: I, I did note that, like, they did plant that seed early on in the film with, like, him, tr- with the, the Rocks character trying to figure out how to use his sidekick. And Raji, like, like you don't know how to use that damn thing. And, <laughs> like, like, they planted that seed early, and there is a payoff to it at the end. Yeah. So, yes, there is. Take that for what you will, I guess. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that yeah, I will say because that, that was a funny line about the sidekick. He also had a line to the secretary that I use to this day, uh, with, with some of my uh female friends that I'm close with. Uh, that am like, you know, uh, because he's got a secretary and she's really snarky, but she's attractive. And he's like, "Girl, you better get you a personality. That ass ain't gonna last forever," or something to that effect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but like the sidekick, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, Brent. Back in two thousand five, I wanted a Sidekick.
0: Yeah, so did I. I don't think I ever had one though. I I think they were gone by the time I I got a cell phone.
1: Like to this uh, day, like I wish. I don't even know who owns like who owns this the Sidekick, uh proprietary rights. But if they came out with a Sidekick th- today, I might be tempted to buy it just for nostalgia's sake.
0: I. In in some ways, I think that would kind of work today because it was a texting device, basically, right? Basically, like, And that's all people do on their cell phones anyways. Like, when was the last time you actually called somebody (laughs) on your cell phone, right? Like, it's uh, it's always text or uh, instant messaging and stuff like that. It's very rarely a call. And if you gave people the choice and gave them the device that all it does is text, probably do pretty good again.
1: Yeah, I was a fan of Sidekick. Like, I think they even had like a, I want to say Cowboy Bebop. They had like some type of advertising with Cowboy with a, either Cowboy Bebop or some stylized version of a character that kind of looked like a Cowboy Bebop style anime. Oh, really? So I, I was, I was a fan mm-hmm. of the Sidekick because it just, it just looked cool. And oh yeah. I don't know how practical it was, but <laughs> when you think about it, Brent. That's a perfect kind of metaphor for this movie. Looks cool. I don't know how practical it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's weird when you look at it like just like it, certain
0: things, right? Like this was a sequel that was ten years later. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's. I imagine there was one of those things, like, and Hollywood sometimes works like this: that John Travolta signed up to do a sequel right away, and for whatever reason, it couldn't get done until 10 years later and i think in some ways probably 10 years late because it's like there's weird things from get shorty that are hung over that you kind of wonder about like what happened to renee russo like because she was the major love interest in get shorty and they were making films together like they were a production team for the the movie in it, right? Yep. And the only hit we really get from it is um, the movie that uh, Gene Hackman was trying to make in Get Shorty, Mr. Lovejoy. We see, a Chili sees a billboard of it with Gene Hackman's character, Harry Zim's name, like directed by Harry Zim yep. on there. And that's like the only real straight ahead reference we have to the other characters in this universe beyond him running into Danny DeVito.
1: So it wraps up. like We wrap up. uh, Linda Moon gets her contract. She gets her movie award. The Rock somehow from a performance at the movie awards already has a movie in production because when Chili Palmer leaves, we see the billboard with The Rock's picture on there. With Nicole Kidman, so yes, with he, Nicole know, Kidman, he got like, how? into a good movie right out of he's, the gate. he's co-starring. He's the he's the he's the male lead of this romantic comedy with with Nicole Kidman. Like, how did he get that movie off of this MTV performance?
0: <laughs> because he doesn't sing in this MTV performance. He doesn't really act. He does like a Polynesian style dance routine with a couple other dancers. And even that, that was kind of cool to see See that, too. I, I yeah. assume that it's somewhat authentic, because I, I kind of get the feeling that, like, The Rock is not going to joke around with that sort of stuff when it re- comes to his heritage, right? No,
1: and, and we'll see as we go deeper on the run of this podcast with, with films like Moana, uh, with films like uh, Hobbs and Shaw, whenever we get to that, that has that, you know, cultural influence from... You know, the Samoan side of his heritage. Yeah, Rock Rock is very careful when it comes to their, the portrayal of that culture on the screen. So before we get to our ratings, Brother Brent, do you have any other uh, opinions, thoughts, tidbits, questions about Be Cool?
0: Um, If you want to see a better version of this movie, go watch Get Shorty. Uh, if you want to see a better Rock movie... Go watch the rundown. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I, I honestly, like, if you do want to see his performance, uh, go in, like we said, knowing that there is some issues with it, and maybe kind of fast forward to his parts and the, the other couple scenes that we've mentioned, yeah. but I honestly couldn't recommend uh,
1: on a whole this film. Well, there you have it, folks. We have talked about Be Cool for a little over an hour, and now it is time to get to the rating. It is time to find out where Brother Brent, where I, where you would rank this film amongst the pantheon of the Rocks films, and we have a patented Five-point rating scale here on the Rocky Maya via picture show, and it goes a little something like this: If you think a movie is five out of five, if it's perfect, if it's flawless, if it's something that you can watch anytime, any day of the week, it's a great one. If you think the movie is good, it's solid, but it's not perfect. It's a four out of five. That's the people's champ. If you think the movie is enjoyable but it has flaws. That's a three out of five. That's a know your role. If a movie is bad, but it's not terrible, if it's bad with some redeeming qualities, that's a two out of five. That's a jabroni joint. But if a movie is irredeemable, if a movie is just bad, if it's dull, if you don't like it, if you can barely get through it, that's a one out of five. That is a rock bottom. So on a scale of one to five, Brother Brent, where would you rank Be Cool? Uh,
0: I think if I was being honest, this is a two out of a five. Uh, this is a jabroni joint, um, save for the rock's performance. I think he did a really good job with this. I just think the the material wasn't that good on a whole. It's a, it's as I said, it's a it's a half baked cake. It's gooey <laughs> and not completely done on the inside and the out, uh, but from the outside it looks pretty good. So two, maybe two and a half.
1: Okay, so two out of five, a jabroni joint from Brother Brent. All right, so you've heard me this entire episode talk about this is not a great movie, Brent. Yes. You've heard me talk about how this is a collection of scenes rather than a cohesive plot. Mm -hmm. You've heard me talk about how this movie feels like sometimes we got cameos for cameos' sake.
0: I talked about how it's killing me.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, we got to we got to build the suspense for the people. I talked about how this is a movie that would not work in 2019. I talked about how this is not as good a movie as Get Shorty the original. But with all that being said, Brent, I really enjoy this movie. <laughs> like there's something about this movie that. I, not- I will not fault you on that because
0: I can kind of see see why. Like, there, there is like a weird sort of fun to this movie. Yes. But, but I, I won't fault you on your, but I will kindly disagree with it. <laughs>
1: like, I think this movie is a situation where the parts are better than the sum. I think that you know certain performances certain combinations on the screen certain uh bits work really really well yeah. but as a whole it kind of doesn't hold hold its form it doesn't hold its shape but it also is very time specific like this is a movie that is so early 2000s so 2005 that it hurts this is a movie that feels of that <laughs> time like this is a movie that could only have been made in, in, that, in that time span of, you know, two or three years where you got John Travolta and Uma Thurman. You can build off of that Pulp Fiction nostalgia yeah. where you've got Andre 3000 coming off of one of the biggest records in hip hop history. speakerbox box of love below where you've got Cedric the Entertainer, who still got some cachet from the Kings of Comedy, where you've got somebody like The Rock, who is the biggest star in professional wrestling, and he's still kind of a novelty at this point as an actor. And Mm -hmm. you've got people like Vince Vaughn, people like Harvey Keitel, people like Robert Pastorelli, uh, even James Woods, who was in one scene in this movie, that are credible actors. It's a movie that could only be made at this time. It's reckless. Some of the humor doesn't quite work today. But it speaks to me back when I first saw this, you know, when I was 24, 25 years old. Mm. And it fits and it speaks to a recklessness and a time capsule and a bit of nostalgia that works for me. Like, I I, I own this movie on DVD. And if I'm ever down, there, there, are, there are a couple movies in my DVD collection, Brent, that will always get a smile from me. Uh, one is Black Panther, which is a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, two is Tropic Thunder, which is oh, another movie.
0: Okay, that's, like, a good that's, movie.
1: that's another movie though that I think could only be made at the time frame it was made. Yeah,
0: that, I will
1: agree. Uh, and, and Be Cool is one of them as well. Like oh, okay, I think the Rock's performances and Andre 3000 and that speech. like that speech has no business in this movie when you think about it, but it just it,
0: it, it kind of seems like it's out of a completely different film. Yeah. But it's still really good.
1: So like I I almost like I almost gave this movie a four out of five of people's champ, Brent. Cause I dig this movie so much. Okay. But you know, looking at it now with twenty nineteen eyes and, and, and kind of laying everything out on the scales, I'm gonna give this a three out of five. I'm gonna say it's a know-your role. I think this movie was trying to be something bigger than what it actually is. I think if it had stuck to the source material, instead of trying to glom on to the Pulp Fiction yeah. fad, it would have been a better piece. Uh, but that being said, like I enjoy Andre, I enjoy Cedric, uh, The Rock. Mm-hmm. like Even Travolta is, is trying in this movie, and, and I yeah. can respect it.
0: Like, like we, we said earlier, I th- I think everybody is really giving this a go. Like, I, I don't really fault any of the actors. Vince Vaughn's the the only one that I kind of question a little bit. But beyond that, like, nobody's... Like, even Vince Vaughn, he's, he's definitely trying a choice. Yes. It's not necessarily a choice that I like, but he took <laughs> an idea and really went with it. And that, I think you could say that about all the actors. I think that is very fair. I think just... For some reason, this movie just didn't turn out good.
1: No, yeah, and I don't know what it is, but it's, we've talked about it for, for like I said, for over an hour, but there, like, there are bits and pieces that I really enjoy, and quotes that I still use to this day. Like, I got a friend uh, that's about my age, maybe a little bit older, and whenever, you know, he gets in a mood, like, because we all get in, in, in cranky moods every now and then, Brent. Yeah. Every now and then, like, when he gets in, in, into a funk and he's in a bit of a mood... I just walk up to him or I give him a call and be like come on star come on star twinkle twinkle baby and and it'll break the tension and 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 it's <laughs> like the, like it's it's the dumbest one of the dumbest lines from this dumb movie and that dumb performance from Vince Vaughn but it's funny and mm-hmm. at the end of the day like uh I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine uh Bobby France who is a comic book author and he uh used to host a radio show and we were having a discussion about, you know, guilty pleasures. And he was like, the older I get, the less I believe in guilty pleasures. Because if something makes you happy, like, just enjoy it. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I'm I'm completely in that loop. Like, one of my favorite movies right now is a movie called Miami Connection, mm. which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, the actors are not actors. The script is terrible. It was shot horribly. Uh, but it, it there is something earnest about it where like everyone was trying really hard. Yes. It, it just, it, it just failed. The, I think the room is kind of like that too. It, yeah. That's why the room is caught on it. it and that's not to say, okay, uh, to be clear, I think be cool is a much better film than the room <laughs> is, but it's like all those people in that movie were really giving the room a go. It's just, it's a terrible movie.
1: <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Brent! <laughs> uh, uh, so that's what Brent and I thought about Be Cool. Now let's head over to the post-wrestling message board to find out what uh, the postmarks thought about this movie. We have uh, one piece of feedback, and we got uh, a good number of votes on this. So let's hit Let's hit oh, the okay. feedback first. Yeah. Uh, Dino says, I thought this was... The best performance by The Rock in a movie. Too bad it was in a bad movie. It's the worst he was in up to this point. On the plus side, he was not the lead, so this movie really didn't hurt his career.
0: I I would like to point out Dino is not one of my pseudonyms. (laughs) (laughs) Because that sounded a lot like what I said, but yeah. I would Uh,
1: disagree with Dino, though, because I enjoyed this movie a heck of a lot more than I enjoyed Walking Tall. Oh yeah, I forgot about Walking Tall. <laughs> I've honestly
0: been listening to the show too, but that's it like that, that movie is so forgettable that I yeah. forgot you did a podcast on it. Like, I'd rather, like, I'd, oh I'd, yeah, I'd, that
1: movie. And that's what I think I like. You know, granted, I'm saying this before we review Doom, so maybe I'll eat oh, my words oh, next oh. episode. But you I'd seriously. rather have a bad entertaining movie. Like I'd rather have a, an entertaining miss than a boring hit, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and no, I thought it, walking tall was just boring to me.
0: Yeah, it's just a by the numbers like cookie cutter action film with the rock in it.
1: Yep. Uh and and in terms of the poll, have you had a chance to look at the poll yet, Brent?
0: No, I I want this to come at me as a surprise. So, All right. Yeah, so I want to see how it goes. We
1: we we've got a little bit of a uh, a little bit of diversity with the results this week because okay. of the postmarks thought this movie was a one out of five, a rock bottom.
0: Oh, okay.
1: 11% thought this movie was a three out of five. They agreed with me and said it was a no-year roll. 11% thought this movie was a people's champ, four out of five. Mm. But the majority, 67% of the audience, Brent, agreed with you. And oh, okay. gave this a two out of five a jabroni joint. That is the consensus from the post wrestling message board.
0: I I think it I think two to three is very fair for this film. Yeah. I, I think like that's why I can't fault you on your reasoning at all. It's not like when you said three out of five, it's like, oh, I can't I can't like make fun of you or I can't go after you on it because it's like, honestly, The Rock is really good in this film. If you took The Rock out of this film, I think
1: it drops it much more. Yeah. What? I think if you, I think the strength of this movie is probably its weakness. And that is, it was trying to be too much of its time. Mm. That's why you cast Cedric. That's why you cast Andre. That's why you cast The Rock. So okay. having those guys in the movie, I think, improved it. But also, this is a movie that doesn't age well. Like, it's, it's firmly locked into a time period. Yeah. So that is it for our review of Be Cool. Let's take a look at what's playing next time on the Rocky via Picture Show. 2005's Doom.
0: At a distant research facility, the final 10% of the human genome has just been discovered. And with it, all hell has broken loose.
1: Now, a call for help has gone out. Game time. Listen up, man. We're going in hot. If it breathes, kill it. There's something coming up behind you. It's in the sewer. What is that? We gotta go now. Ah! Evacuate, evacuate. Ah! Sir, are you okay? All right, Brent. That is what is coming up next. I don't know if I'm ready for Doom. I've, I've been dreading this, uh, dreading this review since I started this program. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I
0: I messaged you uh, while I was watching this movie. It was like, oh, this movie's terrible, and and then I like looked at like the next one's Doom, and like maybe I got off lucky. <laughs>
1: yeah, there is no Andre 3000 in Doom. No, there is. <laughs> There is no of the Entertainer speech in the middle
0: of Doom. No, although that would have been interesting if Carl Urban just broke that out for no
1: apparent reason. <laughs> oh, Hey, I mean, Doom does have that one good scene, but I, I haven't seen Doom in the longest time, but I remember it has like that one good scene and then everything else is just kind of, yeah.
0: And uh, uh, I'll see if I can find it for you. Doom had uh, one of the best uh, pre-video things, uh, a set tours, with The Rock that I have ever seen. Because mm. he ties in his wrestling character into his character a little bit. Because uh, uh, they go into the, the the part of the lab where the, the BFG is. Yes. The, and it's just a set tour, right? And he's like, and behind this, this is the gun my character is looking for. It's the gun he dreams of. It's the thing that he loves most in life. Well, that and pie. He loves pie <laughs> and this gun. <laughs> if you can find that video clip, it's what you should introduce that episode with.
1: Oh. Oh, 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 Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the gift that keeps on giving. This is why the Rocky Mountain Via Picture Show is not going anywhere, folks. Uh, but unfortunately, Brother Brent is leaving us. Uh, he's getting ready to head off. I, I think the Canadian Music Video Production TV Awards are taking place this weekend, so he's got to get ready.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to be introducing uh, awards for Simple Plan. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to think of who else would be in that lineup at that time. Uh, maybe some Forty One. Some Forty One might be showing up. So
1: okay. Is, was Shania Twain still hot in
0: 2005? Uh, it'd be fair. It'd be fair. She's a country artist, so she's always solid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shania Twain. You should have taken me up on my offer when I was 14. <laughs>
1: And I, I will leave
0: that tease, and anybody who asks me about it, uh, I will tell you the full
1: story. behind mm. that. I guess apparently your offer didn't impress her much. No,
0: no, at all. But she was very nice about it.
1: Oh, so uh, if you do want to hit Brent up and find out the details of that thrilling tease right there, where can the people find you on social media, Brent, and let them know about uh, True North Nerds and TrueNorthNerds.com?
0: So you can find uh, my mothership of a podcast is True North Nerds. We talk about comics and we talk about nerdy movies based on comics and uh, science fiction and fantasy. And sometimes we go and talk about other stuff that we're really nerdy about. In uh, in this case, to uh, kind of be a little bit of a promoter and for the audience of the Post Network. Um, I got to interview uh, PCO today hey. uh, due to the fine... Th- uh, Find folks at Ring of Honor So as you're listening to this After you're done, go to uh, TrueNorthNerds.com or look them up on Your podcasting app Of choice and listen to that Interview because it, it's, a, it's A pretty good one I think I was a little nervous and you can tell that At the the start of it But uh, PCO is an interesting guy And a lot of fun to talk to So, Beyond that, I'm on Twitter Under BC BCNerdHole And everything else is TrueNorthNerds
1: very cool, brother. You can find me on Twitter at N the Number Eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic. Uh check out the Kings of Sport. It's a weekly sports and pop culture podcast featuring myself and Marcus Vanderberg from Yahoo Sports. We also have a Patreon uh that you can check out patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport and uh, check out some of the different rewards tiers we got. You know, we got video editions of the show, we've got some Special interviews, some special segments, so uh, check that out. It's also, speaking of comic books, it is also the new home for the archives for the Always Forward podcast, which is a podcast that uh, reviewed the Netflix Luke Cage series, which uh, Brother Brent was one of my guest panelists uh, for an episode of that show. So you can check out the Always Forward archives now on the Kings of Sport Patreon. Uh, check that out as well uh let's see uh oh i am also a licensed insurance agent so uh you know april is financial literacy month folks so uh if you need uh home insurance life insurance auto insurance annuities mutual funds holla at your man and uh you know i'll hook you up with with something that'll cost you less than half of your salary plus the vig. uh did we ever figure <laughs> out what, did we ever figure out what the vig was in this entire movie brent no,
0: and I, I, I uh, that was one of those scenes that I, I was trying to figure out if Cedric the Entertainer's character knew what the big was, or if he was just <laughs> playing along that he knew yes, what yeah. the big was. Like, it was kind of amb- ambiguous of which way that character would know that or not, right?
1: Oh, that was so great, because Cedric's like uh, I either want to, I'm going to count to ten and I either want to smell money or I'm going to smell blood, and then Chili Palmer's like, sin. We'll get you all your money, plus the vig. Plus the vig. <laughs> Did I miss something here? Is this something I gotta go back and watch Get Shorty to understand?
0: <laughs> um, the vig is uh, the the like percentage rate on top of the the amount that you borrow. Like it's a it. it they oh. talk about it a lot in Get Shorty. I'm assuming it's mobster slang, but. As I mentioned, white, suburban, Canadian kid. (laughs) Uh, The closest I've been to a mobster is a veal sandwich place in Toronto that uh, reputedly was owned by the mob, but never confirmed.
1: Hey, you learn something every day, Brent, because I have watched this movie probably literally dozens of times, and I had no idea what the hell the Vig meant. Uh, Well, now you know. (laughs) Like I thought, the Vig was something, you know, because it was like because uh, this entire movie we talked about it was very pulp fictiony. Yeah. I thought the Vig was something like uh like the uh, briefcase in Pulp Fiction, where we never saw oh, what okay. was in it. Where it was like this mysterious MacGuffin. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, well, it's um th- the thing is is like that's what uh, maybe question if Cedric's character knew what they were talking about because uh, it uh, as. As far as I can remember, it like when you borrow money from a loan shark, there is a percentage that uh, it goes up at a certain point, right? So, and and it's usually like it's usually really bad. But he never states what the big is to Cedric's character. (laughs) So, like if the big is only like you know two percent. Or something like that. That's not a hell of a lot of money. Like Cedric should have like said, like, up yours kind of thing to it. But like, or at least asked what the big was before
1: agreeing to those terms. I I feel enlightened now because I I literally have been using that term for 14 years now, I guess, since this movie (laughs) came out without knowing what it what it means. Okay. Like 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 if I borrow money from my buddy and I'm like, hey man, I'm he's like uh Hey, when are you going to have my money back? Hey, I'll have your money back in two weeks plus the VIG. I don't know what the hell the VIG is. It's just some something I heard from a movie.
0: But at least you're using that in the right context. <laughs> you're, you're not. And like, and in this case, again, your friend doesn't know how much the VIG is. So really, <laughs> you're not lying to
1: him. Oh, man. If you start a if I start a financial podcast, you know, like I said, now that I'm a in licensed insurance agent and I'm <laughs> getting into my finances now and, and like becoming more literate about money, if I ever start a money podcast, it'll be called Lost the Vig with Nate Milton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how well that would go over, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We're just, look, we're just spitballing here, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's the same process I imagine that they use to come up with this movie. Like, we're just throwing stuff against the wall.
0: Yeah, there we go. That, that's, that's a prime way of explaining this movie to somebody.
1: <laughs> uh, but, yeah, again, thanks to our brother Brent Chittenden for sitting in uh, for Be Cool this week on the Rocky Mountain of the Picture show. I also want to send some quick props and plugs uh, to Austin James. Austin James graphic design he designed the logo for this show as well as brother Braden Harrington for the great theme music you hear at the beginning and the ending of each episode of this podcast so that brings a close to this edition of the Rocky Via Picture Show like I said we'll catch you back here next time to review the 2005 classic Doom I don't know how forward I am looking to that but uh, hey we gotta do it I said we would review all of Dwayne Johnson's movies, and that includes the good and the bad. So, for Brent Chittenden, for everybody here at Post Wrestling, I am the Godfather Nate Milton. You've been listening to the Rocky Via Picture Show. And as always, remember, we Nubian have- eyes will be watching.